Support for this podcast comes from Smartwater. Want to get a little more from every sip? Smartwater Alkaline doesn't just taste crisp and pure. It's loaded with everything you need to perform at your best, whether you're running marathons or boardroom meetings. Elevate how you hydrate and pick up a Smartwater Alkaline today. To learn more, visit drinksmartwater.com. Support for this podcast comes from Healthnetics. Do you have nagging aches and pains from your younger, more athletic days? Healthnetics CBD is a premium brand CBD that may help take care of aches and pains, as well as relieve anxiety and sleeplessness. Healthnetics products are all natural, THC-free, made in the USA, and undergo third-party lab testing to ensure quality and purity. All CBD is not the same. Order today with a money-back guarantee at healthnetics.com and use promo code SPORTS for 20% off. You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. Alexander K. Lee, we got a lot, of, not a lot of stuff happening in the world of MMA. Well, there is stuff happening, but there's no fights. There's no UFC fights, I say. There were some pretty excellent Bellator fights. By excellent Bellator fights, I mean, I believe our own Mike G. Pettis said it was the most violent night in MMA history. But I'm sure we're going to have comments about that. We're going to have questions about that. You might even have a rant or two about that. I know Alexander K. Lee likes his rants. So... But we're going to jump over to the questions, as always. Are the, are, the, are the audios okay? Are the audios terrible? I'm still getting comments about the audio. I apologize. <laughs> I don't know how to fix the audio. <sighs> anyway. Uh, our, our own Eflin is saying, uh, check the levels. Over-modulated, perhaps. Is that better? Someone in the comment section let me know, because I... Yeah, come at us. No, come at me. Don't come at This is my fault. I've literally lowered. I've adjusted. I've lowered. I'm trying to do everything live. I'm involved. I'm trying, guys. I apologize. Anyway, don't. You can make fun of me. Don't make fun of Alex. Don't make fun of everyone else. I'm trying. I'm trying the best I can. I've even put sound dampeners around to try and make it less echoey. Anyway, we'll try and get questions. You can yell at me if the audio levels are bad. I have thick skin. Anyway. Questions. Now we can actually start the questions from Hefe01, Alex, John Jones at Heavyweight. And I'm reading these off of this handy iPad I have to read questions specifically. There have been discussions of John Jones at Heavyweight versus Stipe. Does John Jones' height and reach make it a completely different fight from the last two DC fights? Jones and DC are forever linked, but they are completely different fighters. And in my opinion, the fights would play out completely different. Jones's height and reach allows for a fight at distance. It also makes changing levels more difficult to wrestle. Thoughts? So, yes, John Jones has said, I was there. You, even at UFC 239, someone asked him, uh, would you be willing to fight the winner of Daniel Cormier versus Stephen Miocic? We now know that is Stephen Miocic, uh, but the storyline with DC was there. There's not really a storyline with Stephen Miocic outside of John Jones going up to heavyweight, which I believe is uh, a story in and of itself, just because he, he seems so unwilling to go up to heavyweight for so long outside of like the Cormier's or the Brock Lesnar's or this and that. Uh, but what are your thoughts on this whole John Jones moving up a and B now fighting Stipe when before the storyline, now the storyline is not him challenging Daniel Cormier for his title because Daniel Cormier doesn't have the title anymore. Now it's John Jones versus Stipe. Your thoughts. By the way, I've been told to bring up my volume a little bit. How are we, how are we doing? Oh God, this audio. No, no, this is on, this is strictly on me. Uh, how, 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 do, how, do, how do you hear me? I hear you golden. You people can okay. people can yell at me in the comments section. <laughs> I probably just turned it up too loud now, but anyway, um, let me say, uh, John Jones heavyweight. I know it's it's never going to go away. You just look at the guy, and it seems like a, a, a good fit for him, right? He's never had trouble making two hundred five. I think that's the main reason 
why it's not like, you know, you don't have everyone just like calling for it nonstop. Like it's an, it's an intriguing thing, but I don't see people necessarily saying, oh, if John Jones never goes to heavyweight, then, oh, you know, all these unanswered questions about his legacy. It's like, look, he makes 205, never had difficulty. He's the greatest 205 fighter ever, you know, by, by, by a margin. Uh, so the heavyweight move would be cool, but I don't know if he himself ever thinks like, oh, I have to do it. You know, John Jones doesn't think he has to do anything. Specifically, this Stipe matchup, yeah, I, the question was kind of strange because uh, it kind of answered itself. Yeah, it would totally be a different fight than the, you know, the Cormier-Stipe matchups. I, I don't think, <laughs> other than they're both strong wrestlers and overall great fighters, there aren't a lot of physical similarities between John Jones and Daniel Cormier. That's that's my expert MMA analysis there. Uh, physically, they're very different. Uh, I, I think John Jones, if, if you're asking, you know, who do I think would win in a fight between John Jones and Steve Mojic, I, I think John Jones pretty much against anybody on the planet. I, I think he's, he's just, he's just the best, you know, regardless of, uh, of how you feel about the, uh, you know, the, the failed drug tests, you know, the, the, uh, pulsing, I mean, that might mar some people's opinions, but as far as just the in cage product goes, what shows up, what we see on fight night, there's just no one better than John Jones right now. Stipe is awesome. I picked wrong. I thought, I thought Cormier was going to beat him again. Stipe was outstanding. He, he's, he's a, he's a classic heavyweight with, with great, great punching power. It's just John Jones is so difficult to hit. I'm not saying Stevie couldn't do it. I'm not saying, you know, so Alex, you froze. Alex is frozen. Oh boy, here we go. There's always something on the A side. Alexander Kaylee is no more. Anyway, I'll say my piece on it then because Alex, I can't hear you. You're completely frozen. You dropped I think out. We're losing you. You, great. This is oh, no. the wonders of live oh, no, shows. Back. The wonders of a live stream where audio levels are terrible. Your connection is bad. My connection is probably bad. Great. This is awesome. I love live shows, but I'll say my piece on Daniel. We'll be back. We'll be back in a second. No, we're, I see you. You're just very zoomed in and grainy and, oh, what is happening? What are you doing? People can see you, man. Oh, my God. The wonders of a live show. This is why, this is what, uh, Sean, I know I made fun of you in the past for your live shows. I apologize because this is nuts. Anyway, Alex would like you all to know that he's having network problems, but I think you can see what he's writing to me. So that's that. So I apologize for what's happening right now. Alex's connection is bad. Uh, you can clearly see he's now frozen. But Daniel Cormier, Steve Miocic, I'll talk about this because this is an MMA show. No one wants to talk about bad internet connections and poor audio because this is, again, kind of my nightmare. Um, but Stipe versus John Jones. I don't think John Jones is going to go up to heavyweight anytime soon. We saw what he did when he was a little, when he came in to fight Open St. Prue, he was, he was, got super into, uh, what was it, powerlifting. And he can't, he, you remember those visuals of him on Instagram, uh, just, just standing there posing, flexing, showing off his new, new muscles, so to say. And we saw what he looks like when he fought. Ovin St. Prue, he was sluggish. It wasn't the best performance. Yes, it was a, a late minute change when uh, Ovin St. Prue was was slotted in at the last minute. What is Alex back? Alex is. You can see what he's writing. So again, I apologize, everyone. This is not how I envisioned my tenure as the A side host would go. Constant audio and constant technical problems. But 
honestly, if you're good with technology, I thought I was good with technology. Clearly, I am not. If anyone has a solution, let me know, because this is kind of embarrassing at some points. But anyway, John Jones, Stephen Miocic, because that's what we're talking about. Um, we saw what he looked like against Ovin St. Preux. Wasn't the best performance of his life. And people will point to that saying maybe he was, quote, unquote, off the sauce for that fight. And then his next fight against Daniel Cormier was scheduled for UFC 200. And then that obviously fell apart. I don't know if that's the case at all. I just know that's what a lot of people, a lot of the comments I've seen, a lot of fans have come up to me. A lot of when I asked them, what did you make of John Jones' performance against Ovin St. Preux? They said it looked like he had been caught doing something. And this was his first fight. Without that, I don't know. I have no idea. Alex, I can hear you. I can't see you. I'm back. I'm back. I, we can't see you, my man. I am back. I am back. I had, a very, I had a very fixable network problem. I assure you that will not happen again. That was uh, that was. Uh, this is awesome. Not random. Yes, that was not a random network error. That was, uh, that was a very fixable problem. Oversight on my part. We are all good now. Alex, we're back. Are you back? Are you going to drop out again? Because I'm back. I'm my back. heart can't apologies, take. All, apologies to all the listeners. Apologies to all the viewers. We'll be fine from now on. This is great. This is just wonders of live television. Apologies to Sean. Apologies to Mark. And apologies to Luke, former host of this show, who I've been like, fix your network, fix your audio, because <laughs> wonders of a live show. But let's get back to the questions. Let's get back to the questions. No one cares what I have to say about John Jones, Stephen Miocic. I've talked about it. We're going to move on. Cejudo versus Dominic Cruz by herself from LFMWA. How do you guys feel about Triple C aversion to address the flyweight division championship he holds and will not address Dana's statement saying that Joby Kwan Kenobi is the next fight to make for Cejudo? So Joby Kwan, Joby Juan Kenobi is, of course, Joseph Benavides, who is the rightful number one contender for Henry Cejudo's 125-pound title. He's called out Dominic Cruz. He's called out Frankie Edgar. He's called out Uriah Faber. He's called out Valentina Shevchenko, but he's not said Joseph Benavides' name. What do you make of Triple C, Henry Cejudo's, as, as our friend LFMWA said, what do you make of his aversion to actually say Joseph Benavides' name? You know, it's, it's not just Joseph Benavides. It's, uh, I mean, I know we're talking about the flyweight title right now, but he also, you know, the whole call of Faber and Dominic Cruz, all the guys, he's also like just not acknowledging the rest of like what is a really competitive bantamweight top 10. It's very frustrating. And I know my fans are getting annoyed. Oh, he, I think, I think you said Shevchenko as well. Yes. I get it. I get the cringe judo gimmick. You know, it's, it's funny to a degree. It's, it's certainly, I think in his mind, he believes it's more interesting than being, you know, Oh, I'm the champ. I'll fight. I just want to fight the best. And, um, you know, cause I don't, that doesn't work for everyone. It, it, it didn't work for Demetrius Johnson. Let's be honest. Demetrius Johnson, still probably the greatest 125er of all time. And he had that attitude. He had that attitude of, um, professional lineup, whoever it is, John Moraga, Chris Cariazzo, you know, I, I don't care their name. I, I'm the champ. You, you put the name out there. I signed the contract. It were it did work for George St. Pierre, but George St. Pierre is like an anomaly. Like uh, to this day, we still don't quite know how to replicate that, that George St. Pierre, you know, magic as it were. I mean, if, if, if we did, the UFC would be all over that. So in some ways I just cannot blame Cejudo for these weird, these weird call outs. And just like you said, straight up, not even like saying, Oh, guys like a uh, Benavidez aren't worthy or not even like uh, trash talking, just ignoring them almost as if they don't exist. And then the rest of the bantamweight division as well. So for the first point of the question, I actually am kind of down with a Cejudo-Dominic Cruz fight. I, I still think Cruz went healthy. 
you know, is is the one of the three best bantamweights in the world. But Healthy Cruz is a might be a mythical MMA creature at this point. We don't know. Uh, the, the Joseph Benavides fight, I mean, if, if he does take a fight at 125, that's the fight that has to happen. I think he knows that. I think he's kind of just jerking around. It's a little bit of the Tyron Woodley thing where he called out a bunch of other people. But when the names came, whether it be Darren Taylor or whoever, he still, uh, or Damian Maya, he still took the fights. I think Cejudo will be the same way. Uh, PC, our, our co-worker Pizza Carroll brought up an excellent point last week, which I really hadn't considered, is that Triple C, his nickname is a brand at this point. He can't be Triple C if he gets the flyweight title taken away from him. He kind of backs himself into a corner where Dana White says defend or vacate or stripped. If, if Dana White takes Henry Cejudo's title away for unwillingness to drop back down 125 pounds and challenge Joseph Benavides, he's not Triple C anymore. Uh, I had not considered that, uh, but it's 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 accurate. So he's I, I would imagine he fights Joseph Benavides next. Personally, I would like to see Dominic Cruz fight Frankie Edgar for Frank Edgar's first fight at 135. That's a very big name. Both of them have historically some of the best footwork in the UFC history and MMA history. Uh, they're two of the greatest champions or fighters in uh, in the history of martial arts. I mean, they were they were some of the fighters on the stage. Remember, they had that like champion summit where they had all the champions on stage together. It was like Kane, John Jones, Anderson Silva, George St. Pierre was up there. Like Frank Edgar and Dominic Cruz were right up there, like with them at the time. And Dominic Cruz was the reigning champion before he got hurt. Frank Edgar at the time was the lightweight champion. Uh, went right after he dethroned BJ Penn. So. I would love to see that fight. Like sitting up when looking at that picture, they didn't look that much bigger than like Frank Gary was 155er and Dominic Cruz was the 135 pound champion. They weren't that much different in size. So I've been asking for that fight for a long time. I would love to see that fight. Uh, Uriah Faber is obviously not going to fight Dominic Cruz again. He already fought Frank Edgar. Uh, Uriah Faber could fight, I don't know, Aljamain Sterling. Because uh, if Aljamain Sterling beats Uriah Faber or vice versa, there's a, num- a number one contender right there. I just want to see Frank Hager fight Dominic Cruz. I just think that's an extremely high-level martial arts fight. Take the title implications out because I say that quite a bit. I just like that fight. I think it's a fun fight. But any other things you want to say? Yeah, yeah. What, you, what, you're going to argue, you don't, you're gonna argue you, you don't want to watch Frank Hager versus Dominic Cruz? I would love to see Frankie Edgar add Dominic Cruz to his list of conquests. So for sure, I'm not going to argue. Yeah. Well, you were very high on the Frankie Edgar train when we were together in uh, Edmonton. Am I? Uh, yeah. A little bit. Didn't you compare to Allen Iverson? I may have compared to Allen Iverson. I may have also predicted, and it's on the site, so it's on record. I may have also predicted that he was going to beat Max Holloway. May have. These are all things that may have happened. I'm not saying they happened. There just may be a record of it that people could easily Google. And speaking of champions who are willing to fight next man, Max Holloway seems to be that kind of guy. Whether, But the difference is there's no country behind him like George St. Pierre. I'm still getting quite things about audio. I'm trying my best, guys. I'm really trying my best. Hey, what do you mean? He has he has two countries behind him. He's got he's got uh, two countries. Oh wow, that's good. yeah. Clip that for YouTube. He's got he's got the nation of Hawaii behind him. I'll call him a nation. And then also, hey, he's got Canada. We love Toronto. We love Max Holloway. So we, we're we're claiming him. I know he's from Hawaii, but we do, we do claim Max Holloway. So I mean, he's representing a lot of people. He is the face of Canadian MMA, apparently. But Keen Duada seems to take issue with that. Maybe he can, you know, become the next. What did you, how long have you guys been looking for the next George St. Pierre ever since George St. Pierre burst onto the scene? But we're going to move right on for another question from LFMWA. Alex, I know you have thoughts about this, so I'm going to turn right mm. to you. Thoughts and speculation on UFC paying 20% of revenue to fighters. Honestly, 
The age was way the age was way higher than I imagined, but still lower than we see most professional sports organizations or rival organizations. Bellator forty four percent and Strikeforce 63%. Can these numbers and this exposure be a catalyst for a fighters union, or is it that or is it that really just wish or is that really just wishful thinking and more of the same? And again, apologize for the audio. I'm still seeing that. I'm really trying my best. Alex, the floor is yours. Oh, yes. I'll I know before we went on air, you really wanted to talk about this. <laughs> I'll try and fix my audio issues while we talk. Yeah, look, it's I, I'm not going to pretend I'm a financial expert. Uh, we did a story, our Dave Meltzer did a story on MMA fighting. Also, please make sure I would say to people for a more comprehensive look at this whole thing that's going on because this all stemmed from this, uh, this antitrust lawsuit. Definitely check out the coverage on Bloody Elbow. Uh, on Forbes. Uh, I think The Athletic did an article. So, I, I, you know, this is one of those situations where I have an opinion, but I don't want to tell people, okay, this is my opinion. This is what you should all think. Read as much about this topic as you can and be informed. It, it's, it's, it's really complicated. And also, it's also, it, it's very, could be very impactful uh, on the future of the sport. Hopefully, we don't know. It could just end up being status quo if, if you know, things are handled a certain way. But 20% of revenue going to the fighters. Uh, it's funny. So, so L, L, you know, some people, when they hear that, would think it's super low. And the person who asked that question, uh, LFMWA, actually said it sounded high. First of all, I would love to see, I don't know if you'll remember Affliction, the three events they held back in the day. Oh, I would love yes. to see how much of their revenue. I think they, they were giving like 90% of their revenue to fighters, which is probably why they only lasted like two shows. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I guess they thought they'd get a big return on that. That didn't work out. So it, this is, you know... Look, this is this is how the UFC runs business. All right, twenty percent of revenue. Uh, you, no, I, I don't think it's a lot, uh, especially when you know if you broke it down, how much of that percentage is going to, you know, a certain like a certain small cluster of fighters, right? Like, is that counting just you know the the, the upper top guys, and then how many are getting the rest? So, again, I I don't want to uh, speculate too much on all the details. It, like, I'm not an expert, but I will say this: what what bothers me is when people say, oh, I don't care about this stuff. I don't care about business. I don't care how much guys are making. It's it's not me. It's not my paycheck. It's like, you know, I, I, they, they, know they know what they signed up for. If you didn't like it, don't sign the contract. It's like, there's a, there's a truth to that. Okay, that's fine. But when you're saying you don't care what fighters are paid, sorry, I'm getting, if I look, I'm getting emotional. When you say you don't care what fighters are paid, what you're saying is that you don't care about getting the best athletes involved in MMA. And that's fine. If that if that's the case, if you like I, the athletes that are in there, I respect fully. But I do think that MA does not necessarily get the highest level athletes that, of course, end up going to sports like, you know, football, professional basketball, things like that. That's where the best athletes are going. We see glimpses of it. You know, we talk about John Jones all the time. John Jones, if you just look at his frame, would have been probably a, a, at least a, a professional athlete at the highest levels of, of almost any sport, depending depending when he started, you know, his development. If he went down a different path, and look at his look at his brothers. You know, they both went on to play pro football. We want more John Joneses. Again, ignore the character stuff. Ignore whether you think he's a cheat or what have you. Performance-wise, athletically, we want more John Joneses. We want John Joneses at, at, at every in every weight class. We want better athletes. So if you want to see the UFC and MMA and Bellator, just, if you want to see promotions getting the best athletes and like the sport someday, like I always say 20 years from now, will look so much better than it does now. You know, I think there'll be guys that'll be way better than John Jones 20, 30 years from now. If you want to see that, then you should care what guys are paid. Because right now there is just not that incentive for the most high level talented athletes to get into MMA. You know, you get guys like John Jones, you get guys like Conor McGregor, Ronda Rousey, you get good athletes, George St. Pierre. But those guys, they shouldn't be so few and far between. You should be seeing so much of that. 
And again, until you you start caring, uh, and the, it's by the way, most of it's on the fighters, not the fans. Until the fighters stop caring as well and, and standing up for themselves, then then all these reports of, of revenue and how much fighters are gonna, it's not going to matter because nothing will change. So my, my I'm just really saying I I want people to care, uh, and if you don't, you don't. But I want you to understand why people do. Yeah, I think you hit it on the head. This is one of the biggest stories we've had in MMA in a long time outside of actual fights being made or like the drug testing and everything. Like this is a story that has been developing for quite some time and it's now kind of all coming to a head at this point now that these documents are coming out. I remember reading about it uh, in 2012, 2013 when this was all really starting and it seemed like, I don't know if you've ever followed cases like this. It's always like a long drawn out process from both sides because it's not just go to court, figure this out. It's like, there's, well, I think well, Kung Lee was one of the people there and he had like 12 attorneys. The UFC had like eight or nine. So it's like these big gatherings of attorneys that have to go through paperwork and paperwork and paperwork and figure out all this stuff with a, there's a judge and everything. It's not as simple as going to court, guilty, non-guilty. Like in 2012, 2013, I remember hearing about all this and being like, well, that seems so far down the road to find out any information. It kind of was in the back of my mind. But now that is now. It is in the forefront now. So it's like all of these thoughts from 2012, 2013 are now all coming back because now we're getting the information that we've been waiting on, that we've heard about, that we've been rumored about. I mean, I was at Dana White's scrum yesterday uh, for at the contender series and someone asked him like what do you make of the antitrust this and that and it was basically like he knows nothing about it he pays people to worry about it so he doesn't have to worry about it uh i don't know if that's that accurate because i don't know dana white on that level but i'm sure if the company he is the president of is going through an antitrust lawsuit opening the books and everything i am confident he knows more than he's letting on but i obviously don't know how much he knows so Dana White's answer yesterday was very telling when he was like, I don't know. Like, I don't want to say anything that, like, that I don't know. And I don't know any of it. I'm still sifting through it. But Bloody Elbow has been the go-to source for that. Our own Dave Meltzer wrote an excellent piece on it for MMAfighting.com. Um, but, yeah, like, basically, stay tuned because there's – I feel like every week we're going to be doing the A-side. There's going to be more and more and more and more information. I remember Danny Segura – was a co-host of mine two weeks ago, and we had another question about this. And Danny said something similar to what you said, and it's going to be more and more questions. So pretty much come back next week to the A-side because we're going to talk about this more because it's not going away. Uh, and sorry, and just to apologize to LFMWA, I, 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 the, the direct question at the end was, can these numbers and exposure be a catalyst for a fighters' union? Look, uh, I would have said that the Reebok deal should have been a catalyst for a fighters' union. I would have said that USADA being implemented without the input of any of the fighters would have been a catalyst for a fighters' union. I would have said Project Spearhead would have been a catalyst for a fighters' union. So, yeah, I think this should be a catalyst for a fighters' union. Will, will it actually be a catalyst? I, I don't bet on it. I'm not holding my breath. I mean, we saw, what, some of the biggest names in MMA stand up on stayed do a commerce call it was like Cain Velasquez, George St. Pierre, TJ Dillashaw, Cowboy Cerrone, and I, I, what, Tim Kennedy was there. Like these are not, not these guys, like Cain Velasquez at the time was still the greatest heavyweight. George St. Pierre, many considered the greatest MMA fighter. TJ Dillashaw before his USADA situation was one of the greatest bandwagons. So it's not like there's been opportunities to launch UFC fighter unions because they had big names it just didn't happen. So whether this is the re this is how it happens or not, 
not holding my breath because, like you said, there have been opportunities for fighter unions and they just haven't come together. Jose, why'd you bring that up? Remember, remember within like within like twelve hours of that news breaking, Donald Cerrone was like, "Oh, I didn't know what that was." Yeah, <laughs> they interviewed like, "Oh, oh, I didn't. Oh, was that what was that what I was on stage for? I didn't. Oh, I'm sorry." I didn't know. And then people bring it up, and they're just like, "Oh, yeah, that was remember, remember that? That was weird. That was weird. That is a moment in time that will never be forgotten for strange reasons." But anything, so we're gonna move on because we mm-hmm. again, we're gonna talk about this next week and the next week and the next week. I'm sure. Stick around a bloody elbow. I'm sure Uncle Dave Meltzer will do it, but we're going to move on. Anthony Johnson returns to the UFC. I know you're excited about this, Alex. First, can he pass USADA test? Who would you like to see him fight a heavyweight? Will we finally get John Jones versus Rumble Johnson? I'll start. Can he pass USADA test? Well, he's not in the pool yet. I think he said he planned on getting back into the pool. I'm sure he can. It's not like you see him. It looks like he ate Anthony Johnson, like the old Anthony Johnson. Like you see him standing on stage at uh, the bare knuckle boxing. Uh, when Artem jumped up to confront Pauly, Rumble Johnson was one of like the, the bodyguard type people standing behind him. And he just literally grabbed Artem with one arm and was holding him, <laughs> was just holding him there. So Anthony Johnson also fought a heavyweight before. He's fought Andre Arlovsky heavyweight. Was that, I believe that in World Series of Fighting. I'm not quite sure. That was the fight. That, that was the fight. Uh, yeah, and he won. That was the fight. Uh, Andre Arlovsky didn't have gloves big enough for him. Like World Series of Fighting didn't have gloves big enough for Andre Arlovsky. So they had to get UFC gloves and Sharpie over it because they, they didn't have gloves in World Series of Fighting Brandon big enough for Andre Arlovsky. I believe that was that fight. I believe he broke his nose. But can he pass through side test? I'm sure it's not like he really had any history with that before unless he got into it. Like now, like unless he got into something extracurricular, extracurricular, outside of fighting, but he has to get back in the side of pool anyway if he wants to fight. Uh, I'd love to see him fight a heavyweight who he fights first. Alistair Overeem, why not? They used to be teammates of Black Zillions. Alistair Overeem left the Black Zillions. I, I'm sure it wasn't on the best of terms. So Anthony Johnson versus Alistair Overeem. I know everyone's going to want to see him fight Francis Ngannou. Francis Ngannou should fight for the title. John Jones was up to heavyweight. Why not? Don't want to see a third Daniel Cormier fight. We know how that goes. So I'll say Alistair Overeem. I know he has fought fight against Walt Harris. But I would still like win or lose. Why not? Just now that Stipe has the title again, I don't think Overeem's getting another title fight anytime soon, barring another string of wins, which I'm sure he could do if Stipe is in this Francis Daniel Cormier kind of triangle right now. But Alex, your thoughts on Anthony Johnson's return to MMA? Yeah, the USADA question is a little strange. I don't think he's, uh, I mean, I know he's always had an impressive physique, but I don't know if he's ever been under suspicion of, of, uh, not to my knowledge. And certainly not now, unless uh, unless you know Usada is you know unless Gravy is now on the prohibited list. <laughs> Look at you, man. Because <laughs> he's so big now. Uh, it's good to laugh. Uh, so I don't think uh, I don't think the Usada thing is a problem. Would you, we like to see him fight heavyweight? I think everyone would. Uh, he's just always oh, just been even at light heavyweight. You look at the guy, you're like, wow, like that's a two old fiver. Like this guy, this guy's ridiculous. Uh, you mentioned Overeem. I, I believe. Uh, uh, Rumble's manager, Ali Abdelaziz, also uh, sp- speaking to ESPN, said Overeem was one option, guy they were looking for. Uh, Junior Dos Santos, that'd be kind of, I don't know, that'd be an interesting test, but it might give you shades of like Rumble Johnson and uh, Little Nog, if you'll remember that, which was just like nasty. Uh, I think maybe Junior might fare better than that, but it does seem like there's a major speed issue. Uh, and and man, that Rumble, when he when he gets into fighting shape, man, he, he, he is real scary. Uh, John Jones versus Rumble somewhere down the road. 
Uh, Rumble has said in the past that he, he well, you know, when he's talked about fighting at heavyweight, he would love to do so, especially if John Jones would come up and meet him there. Kind of like we said at the beginning, though, it, it doesn't seem like John Jones is ever necessarily going to make that move. So I don't think Rumble would ever drop down. Well, I shouldn't say that, but it, it would it would definitely take a lot more commitment and a guarantee of a John Jones fight for Rumble to drop down to a five. So I, I don't think we see that fight. I don't think the UFC is that invested anymore. I know it was booked once and then was canceled for, you know, for John Jones reasons. Uh, but I think that ship has kind of sailed and, you know, unless, unless Rumble comes back and just is the same kind of, you know, absolute monster that he was before. I don't, I'm sorry. I, I'm, I'm hate to say it. we don't see John Jones Rumble. It, it would be a very intriguing fight, but yeah, the Overeem thing seems likely. Um, but I think even, uh, Ali Abdelzi's suggestion of Junior Dos Santos is possible if, if Junior were, were down for that. I'll put a name out there. Um, simply because A, it would be a fun fight and B, I guarantee you he would want this fight based on history with past opponents. As you know, Anthony Johnson has avoided jail time for that misdemeanor for domestic, was domestic assault or something. I can't uh, remember. Domestic, the, uh, domestic battery charge. Yes. yes, he avoids jail time with that, but. He, his name attached to domestic battery, why wouldn't Derek Lewis want to fight him? Derek Lewis has historically been a guy that even if you are proven innocent or there's no like or you're cleared or there's no um, evidence or whatever, if your name is tied to that, Derek Lewis said he'd fight you. Did it with Travis Brown. He fought him in a heavyweight fight, knocked him out, and we saw how that happened. Um, Derek Lewis has had, like, obviously he has the history with his mother and everything. I don't want to speak for him, but uh, why wouldn't Derek Lewis want that fight? I, maybe he won't, doesn't want that fight. I, I don't know. But, like, I'm just I'm basing my I'm basing my words off of what he said in the past. So also, I just think that fight is crazy. And those two guys are just that fight's not going past two rounds, in my opinion. Uh, you mentioned the charges. Here's another question. And I'm, I know people are going to love this, but uh Considering the recent battery charge, again, I know he's not might not serve jail time, and also he's had uh, previous similar instances. Why would the UFC want to bring him back? Um, I'm sorry, I just, you know, again, with all respect to everyone's right to have redemption and make a living, again, and and, and you know the circumstances of his crimes are what they are, but it, it, this is a very recent charge. You know, I I, do, I just don't know why the UFC would necessarily be driven to, to, to bring him back. I know that he's always had a good relationship with the company. Um, Elio Delzi is his manager. You know, he's had a, has a great relationship with the yeah. UFC, obviously, but just, just, just maybe just don't, maybe just wait. Maybe I, I, I don't know. Uh, you know what? Well, actually I don't want to go off on a rant because I think there's a question later that might uh, kind of relate to this. So I'll just say maybe UFC just think about this before necessarily bringing him back. But if the wheels are in motion, what are you going to do? Also Dana White, I brought, I asked Dana White, to like point blank, like any, have you spoken to Anthony Johnson? He didn't even know Anthony Johnson was planning a comeback. Like that's what he said. He goes, when's the last time he even fought? I don't know. Like, so Dana White didn't even know about this. Well, he says he didn't know, but uh, that whether he's, whether he's telling the truth or not, is a story. But if Anthony Johnson wants to fight, with him, there's a lot of fun matches to heavyweight, but moving on uh, from Trumbo on the site. Also, and if you want to ask questions, go to mafighting.com, find the post. The A-side, leave your questions there, or you can use hashtag the A-side on Twitter, and we'll get to it. Uh, Jose Aldo Bantamweight. If, huge if, this is them, huge if, Aldo can act, I'm doing air quotes for people listening. If Aldo can actually make this weight safely. I'm shaking, I'm shaking my head already for people listening, but go on. Uh-huh. If Aldo can actually make this weight safely without killing himself, how would you see him versus Cejudo going? I think takedown defense and striking seems like, on paper, that's a pretty easy fight for Aldo. 
A lot of top bantamweights now are what top featherweights were five years ago. Wrestle boxers like Frankie, Chad, and Lamas. Also, Aldo versus Cruz would be amazing. Oh, my God. Though, personally, I'd still prefer he go to lightweight and said, yes, he should go to lightweight. He should go to lightweight. Don't even think about going to bantamweight. I don't want – like, Jose Aldo doesn't have any – he looks like he's on death's door when he cuts to featherweight. You think he wants to – you think he's going to go to bantamweight that easily? I don't think that's happening anytime soon. We even saw his former teammate, Hennon Burrell, was on – was – was – one step through death's door when he cut down to bantamweight. Uh, so no, I don't want to see Jose Aldo go to bantamweight, but my God, Jose Aldo versus Dominic Cruz would be a firefight. Um, so yeah. Uh, what do you think? Go ahead. I say that could happen at 145. Why does that need to, why do we even need to entertain the thought of Aldo at 135? This is, I listen, I am as sure that, uh, Aldo cannot make 135 as uh, Shannon Sharp once was that Nick Diaz could not return to 155. Or, I mean, I, I, I laughed at <laughs> Shannon Sharp once upon a time. But yeah, hey, guess what? Since Shannon Sharp said that, if anyone remembers, this was Post McGregor, and uh, I don't know why they were him and Skip Bayless were talking about the UFC. Well, actually, I do know why it was McGregor and Diaz. Uh, he's, he, went, he went off on how, oh, Nate Diaz can't make 155. And at the time, I thought it was a little ridiculous because he made it so many times in his career. But, I mean, technically, he hasn't fought at 155 since. So, Who, so who's right? Who's really the expert? Shannon Sharp or us, Jose? Let's, let's look at it that way. But I am just as confident that Jose Aldo cannot make 135 safely or without, like, ruining his, his – there's just no way. He, he could starve himself and do it, but, like, in the way that we think – you know, uh, effective weight cutting, you know, whatever that means. No, no, stop it. This is, this is right up there with Cejudo. He's just, he's bored. He's bored. He's in between fights. It makes for a good soundbite. It's probably our fault. We asked for this crap. Okay. This is the kind of quotes that we like. So, so we can create some story out of it or, or talk about it on some, on some, some stupid, you know, online streaming question answering show. Uh, for example, speaking hypothetically. Uh, so no, it's, it's, I don't, I don't think it's going to happen. And, uh, just yeah, 145 or someday, I'll say just try 155. Just do it for us, 155. I, there's a lot of fights I would love to see Jose Aldo take at 155. Uh, mad man, imagine Aldo versus like Justin Gaethje, Aldo versus Anthony Pettis at 155. I know they're supposed to fight at 145. Back in the day, I believe it was UFC 163 they were supposed to fight, and then obviously Pettis fell out. Korean Zombie stepped up, so him versus Pettis is there. Like Aldo versus. Fill in the blank. I'll watch out. I'll watch Jose Aldo fight anyone. Uh, but go to 155. Don't go to 135. I don't want to see you die making that weight. You saw, like, now people nowadays are like, oh, I can make the weight healthy. Remember TJ Dillashaw was saying the same thing. He's like, I can make 125 easy. Stop asking me about the weight cut. And then we saw what happened. He had to turn to EPO to make it down. He said his energy levels were, were the, the weight cut was harder than he thought. Uh, and it really crept up on him. But we're going to, yeah, don't go to Jose Aldo. Go to 155. Don't go to 135. Uh, Here we go. More questions. But we're going to move on from our friend Lodovic because I didn't realize it's 1040. Uh, True or false? Let's keep them short, Alex, because we've got a million of them. True or false? Connor will fight this year. False. Me too. I bet he fights in early 2020, though. Henry Cejudo's next fight will be at men's flyweight. (laughs) Uh, True. True. I will say true. I will say true simply because he needs that sec- that belt to do triple C. If he didn't coin the triple C phrase and didn't become his brand, I guarantee you he would have vacated it and he'd be fighting like Uriah Faber or Dominic Cruz or something for 135. Jose Aldo's next fight will be at 135. 
Moving on. Moving on. False. Moving Dana on. White already shot that down. Aljamain Sterling's next fight will be for the interim title. No, no, no. I'm just trying to think of what shows like they might be desperate to like to, to make a headliner for. I think they should be okay. And well, maybe it could be something next year. But I think for the rest of the year, they should be all right. So, no, I don't. That false. Yeah, I'm going to say false, too. I bet he fights someone like – I know he spoke with our Damon Barnes saying that he could see himself fighting Peter Young for the interim title next. But I think there's now this new influx and influx of 135ers that uh, there might be some – some more opportunities outside of that. Maybe him versus, again, him versus Faber on a Madison Square Garden card. I know he's a New York guy. Faber's obviously likes fighting California, but I'm sure everyone wants to fight in Madison Square Garden unless you're Jorge Masvidal and you absolutely hate the New York State Athletic Commission or you're Chris Weidman and you just have terrible luck fighting in New York. Uh, so I bet, I think Faber versus Sterling would be an awesome fight. I mean, again, and the winner of that should probably be the number one contender anyway. But uh, Robert Whitaker finishes Israel Asanya. Uh, false because Israel's going to win. So I don't really see that. Obviously, that's not possible. The curse of Alexander Keeley might continue on <laughs> for fighters. I remember our old. Oh, I'm sorry, Izzy. I'm sorry. Our, I, I love Robert Whitaker. I like. I, it's just I don't know. I, I I am now fully. I think. I think because I have this tendency with athletes in any sport when when I doubt them for so long, and then they prove me wrong. I was actually very late on the Adesanya bandwagon. I was crushing it, and, and when they prove me wrong, then suddenly you know, then my dedication is like is like tenfold now. Now it's like okay, well I I was wrong. And I'm with this guy. So I do think Adesanya is going to win. Uh, so no, no, no finish for Whitaker. Do you remember our old coworker, Sean? He had the curse of Sean Alshadi when <laughs> he would write like his the night we fought Anderson or the night we fought Nate Diaz. Or the oh, night we yeah. fought Aldo. Every single one he wrote, they would lose the next fight. So now uh, we have the curse of Alexander Kaylee. No such thing. I don't believe in him. Well, you better start, especially if Robert Whitaker. If Robert, who did you pick to win? You picked Israel Asanya to win. If, if, if Robert yeah. Whitaker wins, I'm I'm cutting this part out and I'm going to use it every single time you pick a fight. Yeah, you know, I also said the Raptors were going to win, so that worked out. That's so. true. You also picked the, the number of games they were going to win. So maybe maybe it's just MMA. Maybe it's just MMA. Uh, Kelvin Gaslam finishes Darren Till. Kelvin Gaslam uh, falls. Kelvin Gaslam beats Darren Till. I I think decision. Three rounds, I would favor a decision. Uh, if it was a five rounds, I think he could get him in the fourth or fifth round. Calvin Gaston historically has a very good pace, but uh, I'm going to say true, actually. I think Kelvin has finished a lot of high-level middleweights, and now he's fighting someone coming up from welterweight. But again, we've talked about it at nauseum. Fighters moving up up in weight have, have looked pretty damn good lately. So if Darren Till is a new fighter and he comes in like he says he is, where his body is healthy and he fights Kelvin Gaslam, who Kelvin Gaslam, remember for years saying he wanted to go back down to welterweight, and then he just stayed at middleweight because he found success. So maybe this is a welterweight fight at middleweight, just like I think yeah. Nate Diaz versus Anthony Pettis was a lightweight fight at welterweight. It's just a couple lightweights not cutting weight. So I feel like that this is something similar. Um, I'll say he will finish him just to be different from Alex Cayley. Douglas Lima beats Roy McDonald. Oh, Lodovic, I, I, you know, a little inside baseball. I don't know if you, I'm sure we, we, we look at some of these questions ahead of time. <clears throat> I, that one line, that might be the hardest question to answer of all the questions we've got this week. Uh, Douglas Lima, gosh, okay. Uh, oh, so speaking of curses, I have not picked, I've been so far off picking Roy McDonald's last three fights. It's, it's hilarious how far off I've been. I picked him to beat Musashi. Wrong. Not even close. I thought he would destroy John Fitch. Then they didn't draw, so not even close. I said that Neiman Gracie would beat him. That didn't happen. So 
I I don't know how I don't know how to feel, how to even I have no feel for Warren McDonald fights clearly or Warren McDonald as a man. I don't even think I'm qualified to answer this question, Jose. Wow, turning your back on your Canadian pride. Give me a second. Give me a second. I don't know how to answer. I didn't. I didn't pick anyone. I'm just saying I have. I can I don't know how to. I'll pick Douglas Lima because I think that he was going to win that fight until I think like the last round or so. So I'll pick, I'll say he will because I also believe Douglas Lima, along with Patricio Pitbull, the Bellator champ champ, is are the two of the most underrated fighters on planet Earth right now. True, I agree. You know what? True, Douglas Lima is going to win. And you heard it here, folks. Roy McDonald's is winning. Roy McDonald is winning. <laughs> <laughs> Daniel Cormier will fight again in the UFC. True. 100% true. I believe he'll either rematch. I No, I think he's going to want to rematch Stephen Miocic for the same reason Stipe wanted to rematch him. He goes, belt or no belt, I'm just a competitive man. I want. I, I just want to avenge a loss. So I think he will fight probably Stipe one more time and then call it a career. Uh, Daniel Cormier will try pro wrestling after he retires from MMA. Oh, true. If you don't... Maybe, maybe WWE. There's outside WWE. I mean, look, they'll 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 uh, give anyone with a good name a shot. Especially someone with who can you know handle themselves in a physical contest like Corbin. But at the very least, if you don't think he's tag teaming with his boy Kane Velasquez at some point, whether it's for you know AAA or WWE or you know New Japan for wrestling, wherever it is that that Velasquez's career takes him, if you don't think that they're tag teaming at least one time, which I would count as tri pro wrestling, yeah, uh, you are you're sadly mistaken. Cormier is getting in there. All right, he is get he he is going to finally uh, enter the sport of gentlemen uh, at some point when he is done with MMA. I'm gonna say true, but true in a different sense. I don't think he's gonna wrestle. I think he's gonna be a commentator. Uh, I think Daniel Cormier is a very charismatic individual. He's very good on the microphone. He's a very good talker. He's also on the wrong side of forty now. I think it's a little too late to start your professional wrestling career, especially for someone who's had these injuries. He's had all these and he, he's gone through the ringer. I don't think he also wants to be on the road again. He's gone through all these fight camps that have obviously done wear and tear on his body. I think Daniel Cormier would make an excellent commentator, maybe for like an NXT where they only do like, you know, how Mauro Nile only does the takeover shows. He doesn't do all of the actual episodes. I think Daniel Cormier would be an excellent, excellent, excellent commentator maybe if Cain Velasquez goes into wrestling more more lucha libre or if he goes in I know he was at the I know he was at the uh New Japan show in Long Beach Cain Velasquez Cain Velasquez joins New Japan which I don't see happening anytime so imagine Daniel Cormier being Cain Velasquez's mouthpiece because then Daniel Cormier wouldn't have to do a match he could just throw Guido like around the ring just throw all these super juniors around the ring so Daniel Cormier as a manager slash commentator that counts that counts okay that counts but moving on, question for you specifically, I would imagine, because you've done a lot of you've done a lot of our Dana White Contender Series recaps nice, and results. Is it a nice question? It oh, is. Okay. It's well, it's it's a question whether you whether it's nice or not is on you. But you have done a lot of our uh, Contender Series coverage, uh, so I'll leave this. I feel like you would be best suited to answer this. From the Big Squish, I was having this argument earlier. What is the point of Dana White Tuesday Night Contender Series and? I don't know if you've noticed, it's not Tuesday Night Contender Series anymore. It's just Dana White Contender Series all over the yeah, place. So take the Tuesday out of Dana White Contender Series. To me, the point of the show is to bring an exciting, inexperienced, low-level fighters with the hope with that, with that the hope that a small percentage of them will go the distance, ranked opposition championship potential, et cetera, 
and be long-term stars for the company. Your thoughts? Yes, Alex, I think you've watched more Contender Series fights than anyone on the site. Uh, what? So right to the point, is Dana, White, is Dana White's Contender Series doing its job? That is what the title of this question is. Uh, what is the point of the Contender Series to you? Yeah. Uh, yes, it's doing its job. No, it is not doing the job that I think a lot of people are hoping it would, which is, you know, finding it, it's not finding the next big star. You know, maybe they will. I'm not saying nobody from the show can't be a star. It's just that that is not the, the primary goal of the show. I, I hate to give a cynical answer because, you know, Jose, what do I always say? Fighting and MMA are supposed to be fun. That's true. You know, You're on record fun. saying that. But but this is a business. We know how the sausage is made. Okay. The point of a contender series, at least through the first three seasons, has been to provide talent. Uh, I, I, I hate to say low level because it sounds so insulting, but I mean sort of, you know, you need those backbone guys. You, you need guys to fill in the prelims and the undercards. And uh, and also, oh, guys who, who are hungry and ready to step in on short notice. Uh, so it's, you know, the show is helping these fighters, even if they don't get signed, form a relationship with the UFC. They're on a list. The UFC knows where they are. The UFC has their eye on them. It's 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 just part of uh, the UFC's takeover, you know, and look, they're getting a lot of like, again, they're getting like, why do you think Dana White wants just guys who go for knockouts? You know what I mean? Because then he's getting then he's getting those exciting fights in the prelims or hopefully he's getting those guys who can create highlights. He's getting those good stories. All, all these people who come on to contender stories, uh, you know, have usually uh, sorry, contender series usually have great stories about, you know, overcoming personal tragedy and um and, and, and just, you know, the, the perseverance of the human spirit and things like that, which is, you know, ideally what we like to imagine martial arts is all about. Mileage may vary once you reach the, the highest level, which is the UFC. Um, so, yeah, I mean, just just to sort of say it again, it, it is doing its job, but its job is to stock up talent regardless of uh, whether or not they necessarily have championship upside, star upside. It's just giving them a lot of a lot of motivated bodies. Uh, at a reasonable cost. And this kind of relates to the, again, you know, the questions about revenue. You, like you want to know why, why 20%, why it seems so low and, and why, uh, why they're able to keep costs low. It's because of shows like this, where you have fighters who are hungry, willing to compete. There was a guy yesterday, just yesterday, Peter Baird from, mm -hmm. from Boston, from Dana White to hometown of Boston. And he was all like, he, his scrum must've, he must've said four or five times, I'm a company man, whatever the UC wants me to do, I'm for it. Book me, whatever. I, I just want to be a good man for the company. This guy just got his contract. And he's like, I'm a company. I'm all about the UFC. I'm a company man. That, or finding guys like this, finding guys that are that are controllable, uh, talented, hardworking people, but controllable. And uh, so, yes, Contender Series is doing its job. Uh, it's just not the uh, not the most romantic uh, job goal as it is. And we, you, I'm getting notification that you have a poor connection again on your internet. So, but you're still here. You're still crystal clear. So I'm not going to jinx it, but yeah, I agree with you. It's getting these fighters. Uh, basically I I've asked a lot of fighters this throughout media day. I asked a few fighters when we were in Edmonton, a lot of the contender series guys like the Jeff Neal, the Jeff Neals. And I asked, uh, uh, Macy Barber, this question too, like, who are you fighting for? Are you fighting to get the win or are you fighting for Dana White? Because at the end of the day, like Dana White determines if you get the contract, but obviously he wants the exciting fighters. Are you fighting just to get the W or are you exciting? Are you, is it, or is it just a glorified tryout and you just want to put on a crazy performance, maybe get a crazy win, which will then get you on Dana White's radar. Both Jeff Neal and Macy Barber had different answers. Jeff Neal said, let's just fight for the win. Cause at the end of the day, a win is a win and say you don't get the contract. That's still another W 
on your record. And if you get two or three more, you're probably against the UFC anyway. Macy Barber said, like, you basically have to fight. She was like, you should fight differently. If you're if you're a grind them out kind of fighter, like you gotta fight differently. You gotta be exciting. You gotta get on Dana White's radar level and this and that. I don't I think it's very it's a very unique situation where we had two fighters get the contracts and they both had very different answers. Uh, but then you see like the Sugar Sean O'Malley's who have like a crazy knockout on the contender series. And now they really wanted to push him hard before this whole uh, USADA pulsing situation happened. And then same as same as Greg Hardy. Whether, whether you he has the story outside, yes, but like he gets that knockout, gets the developmental deal. So it's it's who are you fighting? I, I want to know the I would love to ask every single fighter who goes through the contender series, who are you fighting for? Dana White? Or just the just the W, like because we've seen like remember the first Forrest Whitaker Stephen Bonner fight that wasn't the Tanner series, but they both got contracts because of a crazy fight. So if you put on a crazy fight, could you get a? Could you maybe not get a maybe not get a contract, but get put on one of those those short lists for like hey if we need a short short notice replacement fight, keep him on re, keep him on retention. So I would love to ask every single fighter, who are you fighting for? The W or Dana White? And by the way, I, I want to be proven wrong. You know, mm-hmm. I would love to see one of these contender series guys go all the way, become a superstar, become a world champion. Because, uh, again, they, like I said, these people are all deserving. They're, they're all, you know, hardworking fighters. Uh, the, the, only, the only terrible thing is if one guy becomes a star, that's all Dana White will need to say, hey, look, I t- look, hey, look, dummies. I told you the show was about finding a star. This guy's our world champion now. He was a contender series two years ago. Now he's headlining this pay-per-view. So for all you critics out there yapping, that, that stupid, uh, that dummy Alex Ali, whatever it is from MMA fighting, uh, he wouldn't say that. But, you know, I, I would feel attacked if he, if he went off on this rant. And you know what? I'm sure that's what he would do if, if contender series uh, creates a star. So if it does, great. I'll, I'll take the, I'll take the, the backlash. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I know we're not going to have a second season this year. I know there were rumblings on it before, but Dana White says he based at the scrum yesterday I was at. uh, He said that he basically wants the landscape of local MMA to kind of fill back up again. So he's not just taking all of the talent. So there were hopes of maybe doing two seasons a year. That's not the case, but it'll come back. And apparently the ultimate fighter is coming back. So we're going to have two pathways to uh, get into the UFC. What are you? Are you the? Did we find the fan of the Ultimate Fighter? Did we find the one fan? I am one of the last fans. I got my bones, man, doing Ultimate Fighter recaps for free. That's how I got on the MMA radar, man. I, I am still down. I've seen. I, I, I won't lie. I'm, I'm sure there are bigger fans than me. I've missed maybe two or three seasons. So you watch every episode. You watch every episode. I watch pretty much every. Definitely, I think the last three or four seasons I watched every, literally every episode. What's your favorite season? Sadly, like kind of season six, which was like that's the uh, Matt Sarah Matt Hughes season. Mm. It probably talent wise produced one of like the worst crops of fighters. Uh, Mac Donzig won that year. Uh, he went on to have a decent career. Oh, uh, Ben Saunders was on there. So a couple of guys came out. But by, by that time, that was when that was after the uh, the lightweight season. That pretty was like Nate Diaz, Greg yeah. Maynard, like a super high quality season. But it was right after that that you kind of got the feeling, oh, maybe. Maybe they've kind of, as, as he said, uh, Dana White said a contender series, maybe they've kind of started to drain the pool a little bit of these uh, of the unknown fighters. And six is when it started, card, kind of started happening. There were strong seasons after that, but that's that's when it started. But it was very, very entertaining season. I really liked the, what was it, the the Mayhem Miller-Michael Bisming season. I think that produced a lot of excellent. Like yeah. Diego Brandao was on that, TJ Dillashaw, uh, Dennis Bermudez. Yeah. 
mm-hmm. Marcus Brimage was on that one, I, I believe. So I think that was a, I think Mayhem was a very underrated coach. Uh, Michael Bisming has been a great coach. I think he what, coached it two, three times and he won it. Um, I liked the dynamic between the, there was the, there was the bad blood between the coaches, but at the end of the day, they were really good coaches and there was a high, very high level crop of talent. So I think that one was my favorite one. Also, because those divisions were those divisions were pretty new when that one that 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 season yep. aired, so there was a lot of high level uh, lower weight class fighters still. I believe uh, Miller to this day is the only person who ever coached tough, uh, the only fighter, sorry, to ever coach tough with uh, without a UFC win because he didn't win after, he didn't win before. I think he's the only one. Huh? Probably. I've never thought about Strangely, it, yeah. but probably it's a weird one. That is a very strange, but we're moving on. We're running out of time and I'm getting like, you could, you guys can use Twitter. I'm seeing a lot of people saying Jose doesn't check Twitter for the questions, but every time I check Twitter, it's the same questions that are on the site. So it's like, I see Twitter and it's like, what do you think about Henry Cejudo fighting Joseph Benavidez? Or what do you think of Jose Aldo dropping to Bantamweight? So like, I see the questions, but we answered them. So if you want to check, use hashtag the A side on Twitter, I'll see the questions and I'll answer, but I just don't answer sometimes because the same questions or like last week, I really wanted to talk about Hannah Cyphers in my promo, which got cut short. And one of the questions was about Hannah Cyphers, so I saved it. But that's either here or there. So we're going to I'm I'm looking on Twitter. Go ahead. Use the hashtag. I'm just not seeing many questions at the moment. But right before last question, before we get into our promos, any word on from Zaku Kokegi and he he or she, I, I don't know. Has says yes. You are pronouncing my username correctly. That's been a debate we've sure. had many a week. Uh, so we are pronouncing that name correctly. Any word on what Tony has been up to? Haven't heard from him in a while. Yeah, Tony Ferguson was at UFC 241. Uh, we were told he might do a media scrum backstage, but all of us are like probably not, and it didn't happen. Um, I imagine he's waiting for the winner of Dustin Poirier and Habib Nurmagomedov. I think that's the answer, UC 242. Dustin Poirier had a, con- a media conference call, which our Dana Martin did an excellent write-up on. Uh, he said, someone asked him, he goes, what's next after this? Like, who's the next contender with all these lightweight fights happening? He says, Tony Ferguson, 100%. Like, there's not even a question. Like, so, yes. A, there is zero debate over who is next in line at lightweight. He should already have had five lightweight title fights already at this point. It's just been situations have kept him either injuries or personal reasons have kept him out of that. But yeah, I think the simple answer is waiting for Dustin Poirier versus Habib Nurmagomedov or Habib Nurmagomedov versus Dustin Poirier reigning champion gets top billing. I apologize. Uh, but yeah, is there really any debate, Alex? First off, the usual disclaimer when it comes to usernames. So like Zaku Kogeki, listen, if this is some offensive term that we're not hip to, some some obscure sex act. I want to, you know, I just see. Don't put that into the minds of I, the I youths, Alex. Ahead of time to any children that may be watching, any concerned parents that may be watching. I know that's our main audience: children and concerned parents. If that is an offensive term, I'm going to pause ahead of time. These people are very cheeky and very clever with their usernames. What was the question? Oh, Tony Ferguson. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I have, yeah, I have, I can't disagree with that at all. The smartest thing this man can do is wait. Tony Ferguson. Bless his heart. Will fight anyone. Will fight anywhere. He he totally embodies that you know that that classic fighter spirit. Wait, Tony, just chill out. You know, maybe chill out. His his training videos are infamous. I know they make for good viral content, but you know what, Tony, don't do it for us. Whatever whatever wacky training situation you've caught back, maybe he's like oh like a skydiving. I'm gonna try fighting in the air like while skydiving uh, would be awesome. That'd be great. I mean, we'd love to do a post about that. But 
at the same time, just stay healthy and don't give up your squat. You are, some might say, not just the number one contender, the uncrowned champion, maybe the best lightweight in the world. You know, just if you're, if you're just how forget belts and everything. If you're just talking about his his resume and his in cage results, the man just has not lost in like forever. So, what what has he been up to? He's waiting. He's chilling out, and that's exactly what he should be doing. To put it into perspective, Pete Pete and I talked about this. The last time Tony Ferguson lost, women weren't even in the UFC yet. Crazy. That's crazy. It's it's madness. But one final one. I know I said that one was the final question, but. Uh, from our friend Ted Bear, will you get up at 1 a.m. to watch the Andrade versus Zhang prelims? And will you will we see more of these early morning times in the U.S.? UFC seems pretty invested in China. So, Alex, are you waking up early to watch UFC Shenzhen? It's not. It is a time zone thing. It's, it's 3 a.m. Eastern time, right? I'm not crazy, right? Yes. 3 a.m. Eastern time. So it'll just be midnight for you, Jose. Is that right? Correct. Okay. Uh I think I will be. It's kind of a weird question to ask us because, you know, obviously it's our job to provide some coverage. I mean, we do have a bunch of people who can work on it, but I do kind of like to be around for these cards. I do think this card, I, I'm not going to, I don't want to say it has a potential to be a sleeper because if anyone's even looked at it, top to bottom, there is a lot of people making their debut. And, and again, this is not, I don't want to criticize the matchmakers. There's a lot of tough logistics that go into holding a show in, in, uh, in China. So obviously the more local talent you can get, the, the people, the, you know, the closer people you can get, then the easier it is. I'm not going to, th- this card is a card of necessity, you know, really, really it's a showcase for Wei Li Zhang and Jessica Andrade. That's, yeah. that's the, uh, and Li Jing Liang. So some of the, some of the fighters on the main card, the prelims, it, it's, it's going to look like a, it's going to look like, again, a, a regional show over in Asia, but I probably, yes, I will be up. If it is not your job to cover this, my, my professional advice would be, just maybe get up for the main card, which is about, I think about 6 a.m. Eastern time, and then watch the highlights later, which you will probably be able to find on MMAfighting.com. I like how someone on Twitter put it as people on the East and West, East Coast and Pacific Coast are, you're waking up to see it, I'm staying up to see it. So there's a yeah, big difference well, because main card starting at 3 a.m., I'm staying up for it. You guys can set your clocks, for alarms for 6 a.m. out on the East Coast. Yeah. So this is the one... <laughs> This is one of the one instances where being an MMA fan on the East Coast is more beneficial. Is more benefit. You don't want to stay up? Uh, I remember living on the East Coast for fights and having the like, I remember I was on the East Coast for when John Jones fought Alexander Gustafson and we were working it. Like we finished working at like 8 a.m. <laughs> <laughs> I remember leaving uh, the Barclays centers after Habib versus Ally Quinta. I left that arena at 5 a.m. and went right to the airport. It happens, man. So anyway, but with that, I looked at Twitter, didn't see any questions outside of people complaining about me not using Twitter. Uh, so I addressed that. But as always, you can find us here on YouTube, m- youtube.com backslash MMA fighting. You find us on Stitcher, Google Play, Spotify, iTunes, all that stuff. I'm putting it out there because I, I always forget to give that plug. But as always, the final segment of the show, Alex, the floor is yours. So whatever promo you want to cut. Uh, you know, just just keeping keep keeping keep on. Uh, you know, miss this this week is coming out as always. Should be a good one because there was no UFC this past weekend. So, and so it was a chance for some of the smaller promotions to shine. So that's always exciting. Shenzhen, there will be Shenzhen coverage. I know we have some. I don't have any features coming out, but I know we do have some features that will be uh, coming out. So I think I believe one on uh, 
welterweight sleeper Elizu Zaleski should be should be dropping this week. So that's very exciting. I, I know people really want to see uh, see him get a, a, a higher platform. Hopefully after this fight, he's fighting the leech. Hopefully after that, things will will uh, will you know uh, pick up for him and we get to see him fight someone in the top ten. Uh, other than that, you know, I, I, again, you should. I, I we, we touched upon this on a few other topics. Uh, I always just say MMA it should be fun. This I also want to say MMA should be something that fans uh, just put a little more thought into sometimes, you know, I'm not saying it's that, you know, you need to overthink everything, but we talked about the revenue thing and just some of these other subjects, even when it comes to, uh, even when it comes to crimes, I think we just put out the story today. Um, it just broke. It was reported originally by TMZ of, of BJ Penn. I, I, I know we didn't have time to talk about that. There's no questions. BJ Penn allegedly involved in another altercation. I tell people, you know, before you form opinions on things, read as much as you can, be patient, be patient. You know, you don't need to, to, to comment on everything. Um, the, the Conor McGregor stuff is a perfect example. I see a lot of opinions on, oh, what happened to the assault allegations and what happened with the old man in the bar and blah, blah, and just people just throwing opinions left and right just for no reason. Like, I know it's cool to talk about stuff, but just be educated and, and thoughtful. Be more educated and more thoughtful in your MMA viewing. That is, that is really my roundabout uh, point this week, I suppose. Well said, Alex. And I will mm. say it wasn't that well said, but yeah. <laughs> well said, Al, the bad boy Alexander Kaylee asking people to not be as the bad boy like him. But um, my promo is I'm gonna rehash my promo because my promo apparently got cut from the YouTube stream for technical Dude. reasons. So my promo last week was on Hannah Cypher. She was my favorite. She was the biggest star to come out in my mind out of that fight card outside of the top three fights. Obviously, Paolo Costa, Nate Diaz, Stephen Miocic were the big winners. Daniel Cormier, Anthony Pettis, Yoel Romero, still big names. But Hannah Cyphers, if you look at our YouTube page, did excellent numbers. Uh, people are absolutely, absolutely invested in what she has to say. And I asked her to her face, "Is it, are you aware that so many people are interested in you? And her exact phrase was, I guess. So uh, she says, <laughs> Quote, it was neat meeting Daniel Cormier and Anthony Pettis, and it was really cool meeting Dana White. So I feel like she's acting like a lot of fans would act if they become UFC fighters, where she was truly a big fan coming up. All she cares is about fighting. And every time she does an interview, she apologizes and says, I'm working on this and I'm getting better. Getting better. Anna Cyphers was the biggest star to come out of UFC 241. I will die on that hill, and I can't wait to see who she fights next. She says she doesn't want to fight on the career card because she is a she does not like flying. So again, just another reason to just just warms your heart. So Hannah Cyphers, biggest star from UFC 241, and I hope that promo didn't get cut. If it is, I'm sorry, Hannah. I'm not going to say it a third time next week. But Alex, anything else you want to say before we sign off? I looked at Twitter, yeah. people complaining that we don't go 90 minutes again, but Alex has to yeah. go do something. So Alex, the floor is yours again. Just yeah, just thank you. Thank you for everyone for sticking through. That did stick through the opening audio and, and network problems. I can tell you on my end that definitely won't happen again. It was it was a very fixable problem. I knew exactly what it was when it happened. It was just an oversight on my part. So thanks, guys, for, for sticking through that stuff. I know it's so annoying um, to have to deal with it and watch us bumble through it. But we really appreciate We always, always appreciate uh, listeners and watchers and, and supporters. I don't bumble through things. I get very angry and shake my fist like an old man trying to <laughs> yell at technology. But for Jose... That's Alex. We'll see you next Wednesday at the normal time, 1 p.m. Eastern, 10 a.m. Pacific. I don't know who my co-host is going to be. Maybe it'll be Pizzi. Maybe it'll be Danny. Maybe it'll be somebody else. So, but could I will be, be. Could be me again. Ah, ah. Well, until then, 